Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, uh, and in this way we attempt to catch up on our respective cinemas. Uh, So on the show we have a little something we do every month called Catching Up on Blu-ray. What this is is a special monthly episode wherein we take a look at the upcoming physical media releases for each calendar month uh, and just uh, say a little something about any any titles that jump out at us um so again if you're not familiar with how this works uh physical media aka like dvds 4ks blu-rays uh generally they come out on tuesdays of every week um so if you want to follow along with your calendar uh the first date in which we have major releases for the month of january 2020 is uh january 7th and uh, right off the bat, I can tell you right now, January 7th was a pretty big day for uh, physical media releases. Um, mm-hmm. First title that jumps out at you is one that Kyle has uh, quite a bit to say about. Uh, this would be Todd Phillips's Joker yeah. uh, out on Blu-ray and 4K. Um, so both of us have seen this movie by now, but I think you have more of a strong opinion about it than I do. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie that I knew exactly what was going to happen. I'm like, it's Todd Phillips... Uh, a traditionally a comedic director. His comedies are fucking hilarious. Old School is my favorite comedy of all time. Uh, directing uh, a very good actor in a, what's supposed to be a pretty sadistic uh, performance. Like, the performance is good. The movie sucks. The movie is stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it it builds up very... It's a very weak build-up with a shit ton of dancing. Slow-motion dancing. Dancing! And then the dumbest fucking ending ever. I'm like, are you fucking serious? That was it? And it was supposed to be controversial. There were police were monitoring, forgetting that it was uh, Bane, not the Joker, that the Batman movie was shot up at. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I knew exactly what it was going to be. I'm like, it's going to be a, an okay movie, and it's just going to be a great performance. And I was wrong. It was a great performance, and it was a stupid movie. Um, but yeah, don't buy this. Just, just <laughs> rent it. Don't buy this. I mean... It's beautifully shot. I'll give it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematography is excellent. Joaquin Phoenix puts on a hell of a show, but um, I do think that there's a thing that happens every once in a while. Like, sometimes I call this like the the Ed Wood effect, <laughs> where it's like I don't know how how true this is, but in the in the Tim Burton Ed Wood movie, there's this fun running gag where where Ed Wood's directing style was basically him sitting down next to the camera saying action. And then his friends would do things in front of the camera, and he'd just be mystified by by the art of acting. And yeah. regardless of how actually good it was, he was just so mystified with the process and the things that people would do on camera that it didn't matter if it was good. He just he was just happy to be there. Yeah. And I got a little bit of the sense that maybe Todd Phillips let Joaquin Phoenix take the performance for a bit too long of a walk. Yeah. Like there's a lot. There's just a lot of sequences like you said like dancing and things like that there's a lot of like extraneous footage that's like it just feels there because the guy didn't have the heart to cut it because he was so enamored with with the beauty of the performance which is a good performance Mm -hmm. it's just maybe a little much and he's really all you have to grab onto there's not much else there um and i feel like it's one of those movies that I think it will win Best Picture, <laughs> just 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 because it touches on really 
really important like prescient themes that everybody's aware of it touches on lots of subjects that mean a lot to a lot of people but it doesn't have a whole lot to say about them no, it just it, it, it just puts its hand up and says hey mental illness is a problem yeah uh go do with that what you will we're putting yeah we're putting people out who are who are mentally ill and like kicking them out onto the streets because they can't afford to pay their bills uh yeah uh, avengers endgame uh did this exact same thing where it's like oh we have one female character but look take a look at this shot of all these female characters, none of them get to do anything in this movie, by the way. But look at them. Look at them all in here. And it's like, you're placating. And you're yeah. not actually, you're not letting them do anything in the movie. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. That's actually a pretty good assessment. Because I feel like that's that's where the appreciation for the film largely comes from outside of the performance. Because mm-hmm. that, I don't think you can possibly argue that it's not a good, that's a bad performance. It's actually a very good performance. Yeah, but, very good. But, just there's so much stuff that's just kind of like thrown out there like uh, so many themes that are paid lip service that there's zero follow-through for and i feel like you know the people voting from the academy and whatnot will be like yeah this movie is a is a statement movie it's like about what what what, what the fuck does it have to say <laughs> you know what you're talking about <laughs> you keep using that word i do not think you know what it means <laughs> oh dude well um but yeah let's move I, I think yeah, Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say I think both you and I don't have the highest opinion of Joker. Um, I honestly, I, I think I saw it. I think I saw it. Like my viewing experience was was maybe the best way to see this movie because I watched it in a in a living room with a husband and wife trying to wrangle a, a sad, upset baby <laughs> crawling around on the floor, and we. You know, halfway through, we started to get bored with the pace of it. Yeah. Because that is not the environment to watch a movie that you're supposed to sink your teeth into. No. Um, but at the same time, it's like the movie was asking a bit too much of me anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I, for I stopped. A Joker movie. <laughs> so I stopped taking it seriously and started making fun of the movie, and I think I had more fun because of it. <laughs> I, I will give I will give him this. He does ground uh he does ground the Batman story into more reality, even more so than uh um Chris Nolan did with the Batman movies. Too like, much so. Yeah. And I, My, I I've been I've been making this argument for a long time that um I think it speaks a lot to the state of of our our society and our culture that it used to be like Heath Ledger's Joker, for instance, or Hannibal Lecter is an even better example like the the really juicy element of your story is just the spice in there Mm -hmm. like Hannibal Lecter famously has like 15 20 minutes of screen time at most Uh, Heath Ledger's Joker probably the same to be honest he's not in that movie very much but his presence looms over everything yeah um but now we're at this point where I think you know the the idea of asking for an entire movie to be a money shot <laughs> is, <laughs> is is not weird anymore. Yeah, where it's like it used to be you you would you would hold back the better elements of the thing so you make you it makes it more impactful because you're waiting for it you're anticipating it. Whereas it's like no everybody likes the Joker let's just make a whole movie of Joker. People are okay with that. People are okay with stroking themselves for two and a half hours as opposed to like every like once every few minutes over the course of an entire film. Um, but I would argue that without Batman, the Joker isn't Joker. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I think that this movie was basically pitched for pitched with we're gonna ground it in reality. Well, how are you gonna explain his laugh? 
Uh, it's uh, it's a nervous thing he ha- he does when he's uncomfortable and like, ooh, that's really good. I really like that. It is very good. Yeah, but I did like I don't, that. I found it very difficult to think of him as the character as the character. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a good character study, but I don't think of it as a DC Comics movie outside of the Waynes, Gotham City, and and Joker. He's um, not sadistic. Really, I yeah. without Batman, the Joker to me isn't quite what he needs to be. Yeah. Like, it just that's, true. It, that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, I was going to mention, so like Daniel Ratcliffe made so much money from the Harry Potter movies. I mean, there's just like, I think there's like fucking seven or seven of those movies that he yeah. can just basically do whatever he wants. He can do whatever roles, Sw- Swiss Army Man, The Jungle, or like uh, Jungle. Um, he's in where he plays a neo-Nazi, which I want to see. He has movies that he's done post Harry Potter that I've wanted to see and I just haven't gotten around to. Uh, and I think the same thing goes for uh, what's his face here, um, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. I've seen all those Twilight movies because a podcast I listen to has done commentaries on them, and they're fucking fun to listen to and watch together. But those movies are awful. I think the same thing happened to him, where he made so much money from those Twilight movies that he can basically do whatever he wants, and he is making all the right choices. Uh, I.e., The Lighthouse and High Life, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. I bought this the day it came out already. I bought it January seventh when it was available, wow. and it was like I was one. Of the, it was the last one in Best Buy. They were all gone. Uh, what I didn't appreciate, and you might notice down on the bottom left, is the Rotten Tomato score. And I'm like, guys, 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 <laughs> I don't need it on the box. Like it, <laughs> I don't need you to sell this movie to me. Like I'm going to own it. And it actually, I was a little nervous. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Why are they putting this seal on here? It's because. A24, the, the studio that put the, that distributed this, is they're doing a lot of like art house indie films, but they're really good. And they're not they make main, the best films. And they're <laughs> and they're not mainstream. So it's kind of hard to sell people on them. And this is I this has like the classic art house blueprint in my opinion. So th- this was a really good I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's it's very puzzling. It's kind of, you're kind of confused because it's an art house flick but it's it's beautiful to look at like it just just for that part of it black and white all the shots it's great no I, there's several critics that i follow that put it at the top or near the top of their best of the year list easily um this was robert eggers was this the the witch guy yes which i okay. love that film as well so this is what his second film yeah or second feature damn yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna Orson Welles himself. <laughs> He's gonna have <laughs> champagne <laughs> commercials in twenty years. <laughs> French, the French champagne. He doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the lighthouse. Um, I definitely need to get around to watching it. Yeah. Um, you've you've told me before. Excellent. Um, and yeah, now that now that's confirmed by seemingly everyone that it's excellent, I probably should get around to watching it. Um. But that's really cool because normally when we do these lists, it's like it's uncertain whether or not you're gonna dip your toes in there and and like make a purchase. But I'm glad to hear that you you pick something up, you treated yourself. If we had done this beforehand, it was like this was definitely gonna be a purchase for me. Yeah, day one purchase, and you've certainly followed through on that. Very rarely do I blind buy films. I'll I'll blind buy Criterion Blu-rays. I'll definitely do that. Uh, but. It's hard. I don't usually go outside of that, and this was one of those times where I'm like, oh, I'm going to blind buy that. Well, it worked out, so cool. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, next up, uh, also on January 7th, um, we have, a, I presume, a re-release of Ryan Johnson's uh, Brick, uh, which is apparently quite good. Um, I don't have an opinion on him as a filmmaker because I think the only thing I've seen of his is Star Wars The Last Jedi, mm. um, which is a very divisive movie. Um, I've softened <laughs> on I've softened on it quite a bit since it came out, um, especially now that I've seen uh, The Rise of Skywalker and um, now The Last Jedi looks a lot better by comparison. <laughs> um, I did. I was curious about Knives Out because um, that did look fun. The cast alone is kind of like, how can you miss like with all those with all that talent on screens like Daniel Craig, Tony Collette, uh, that South American gal from uh, Blade Runner 2049, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm chris evans it's just like it's a stacked fucking cast and it's like how could you miss the the bad the bad lady or the the or his girlfriend in 2049 uh his girlfriend oh Oof. yeah <laughs> um uh the the one that was in knock knock with oh. uh, eli right <laughs> eli roth's wife <laughs> uh i was i was really into the bad the bad lady in that movie. oh she she was too bad she scared me I <laughs> that haircut was aggressive <laughs> right <laughs> Um, but we also have a Criterion release, uh, Holiday, yeah. from 1938. Um, no. Cary, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. So for a specific audience, that that is probably a day one purchase. Maybe not for you and me. Nope. Actually, I think the people that would buy this on day one don't know that it's out on Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, and we also have a couple other uh, classic releases. Yeah. Just listing them off in rapid succession here. We have Dr. Cyclops, 1940. The Specialist, 1969. The Hellbenders, 1967. And Kill Them All and Come Back Alone from 1968. Uh, I don't recognize any of them except for Dr. Cyclops. And that's only because I had a monster book when I was very young that had, a, I think, a single page devoted to that movie. Um, if I remember right, he gets blinded by a bunch of tiny people at the end of the movie like it's about like doll sh- doll sized people i think if it's, no. if it's the one i'm thinking of um we have something called the depraved from 2019 um kind of a funky cover here uh yeah. do i recognize anyone in the cast i do not larry fessenden directed it though and holy shit uh call back to a recent episode uh like me he was the he was the fellow that was tagging along with our protagonist, uh, oh, Addison yeah. Timlin. He was in uh, the Dead Don't Die. Yeah, so he uh, he wrote and directed the Depraved. So that's oh. again funny timing. We've been having a lot of that lately. Um, what else we got here? Uh, There's not really a bunch of stuff. yeah. It was it was just like the two big ones, and then the rest of the the rest of January seventh is a lot of like straight to video or re-releases mostly. Um, some the cover for Trespassers looks kind of fun. Um, the Omega Syndrome, that's my kind of trash. Uh, Nineteen eighty six. Uh, damn, that guy has an aggressive mullet and a unibrow. He's going for the fucking full deal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else we got here? Um, the Shed from twenty nineteen. Uh, Crown Vic. Holy shit! Is that is that Tom Jane? I was Kyle? like either that or James Woods. Uh, but yeah, that's Tom Jane. Okay, it looks like trash, but it's Tom Jane, and I do like him. Mm. He he just I don't know. He has a charisma about him that just kind of works for me. Yeah. A couple of anime series and box sets. Um, Berserk being the only one that really jumps out at me. Um, a lot of anime. In fact, um, what else we got here? Swamp Zombies 2, holy shit. Um, so 
So I don't know. I know you don't pay attention to the red letter media guys that yeah. I oftentimes refer to them as the guys from Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, they're, their good friend, uh, the schlock movie director, uh, Len Kabazinski, uh, directed the first Swamp Zombies, and I guess he also did the second one. Uh, he he likes martial arts and horror, and he does both in his movies, and he's terrible at it, but <laughs> he but he has a big heart, and he's a family man, so we, we like him anyway. <laughs> um, I've never watched one of his movies, but watching them review his movies is always a joy. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, the re- the rest of it just looks like straight to video schlock. Um, nothing really of note here. Um, so moving on down, let's head to the next week on the calendar. That would be January fourteenth, um, and we have first up the Beverly Hills Cop trilogy, which um, with Eddie <laughs> Murphy's recent uh, r- recent comeback with Dolomite, are they doing a Beverly Hills Cop four? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's on the table, but I I have a feeling that that's part of why this collection got put together when it did, is probably to cash in on the renewed interest mm-hmm. in Mr. Eddie Murphy. Um, I'm glad he's back. I missed him. <laughs> I, just, I do need to see uh, Dolomite is my name, though. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think I've ever seen Beverly Hills Cop 3. That's the only one I've seen. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny because I really actually I really like the first two. They're a lot of fun, and that whole cast is strong. Like I forget the guy who plays Taggart, but him and Judge Reinhold and and Eddie Murphy, they all have good rapport with each other. Who's the raspy voice guy from Leviathan? Uh, the guy with the monkey butt haircut. Hector Elizondo. There we go. He's in the third one. Oh, okay. He, I mean, he's good in everything. Like he, he's just a good actor. And there's a guy that looks like Peter Weller. Looks like Looks him. like Peter Weller? <laughs> in that movie he's, as well. Oh, really? I mean, he's obviously he's the lead in Leviathan. So yeah. <laughs> he's like, hey, uh, can I bring my friend Pete on the set? <laughs> it's like, no, but if you have anyone who looks like him. <laughs> he looks like, like Peter Weller and he sounds like, uh, uh, oh, fucking, uh, uh, god damn it. Uh, Bishop from uh, Lance Williams. Hendrickson. There we go, Lance Hendrickson. That's a good voice to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't think I would pick this up. But no, th- the first two movies are definitely movies that if they were if they're on and I was like hanging out with friends or something, I would say, hey, hold on that for a minute. Yeah, like, I gotta watch this. Th- this is the part where he puts the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> it's like it's, it's funny. Trust me, <laughs> but. Um, beside that, we have Gemini Man. Will Smith fully committed to never doing a good movie again. Gemini Man. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's my my brother has like taken it upon himself to like document the career of Will Smith because <laughs> his career trajectory has been really fascinating to follow. The, like he and Adam Sandler shared like this this on a graph they shared good movies, and then almost at the exact same time they just started plummeting. And plummeting, and they're both, and they're both in bad movies for completely different reasons. Um, but yeah, I from the trailer, I'm like, nope, like just no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it looked like some of the the action sequences, like maybe were choreographed well, but uh, there's a choppiness that comes with them that I think it's just the the effects work maybe not being able to to quite do what they want it to do. Why? Why is uh, this but, such a big deal now? Why are we de aging? And I, it's driving me fucking insane. 
I don't know why <laughs> it's such a big deal right now. It's I get deep fakes. People constantly sending me the same five deep fake videos. Five different people sending me the same one. I'm like, I, I saw it, guys. I saw it. And now we're doing well, deep fake movies. It's just can we stop, please? We're I mean, there's there's a fascination with like detaching from reality. Um I mean it's no mystery that like people are concerned that like actors in particular are probably concerned that they may be put out of a job by their, you know, CGI duplicates. Because really it's like the, the Simone uh situation. Have you seen that movie? No. It's Al Pacino as a like art house film director who obtains a digital actress and secretly creates a film career for her while while making movies without her physically available. Mm-hmm. So all the all the actors working opposite her do their scenes with her not present because he's adding her in in post. And by the way, he has she's a fake person, so he has absolute total creative control over over how she blinks, over how she breathes. It's it's a it's a creative person giving like it's giving a filmmaker like complete control over the environment in which they make the movie. And computer technology gives us gives us that. And if you have obsessive people who like if you put a lot of stock in auteur theory, it's probably very attractive to be able to have absolute total control over every every frame of your movie. Like even how like the gravel is aligned <laughs> like on the ground and stuff like that like i've been saying it for a long time i think uh i have a theory that that's actually maybe part of why michael bay uh thrives in making like military finance movies and stuff is that if you look at how he choreographs his action um having trained professionals who can like do like a door kicking sequence or something like do it something that would be really methodical and require extreme coordination to pull off like having trained professionals instead of actors repeat that motion over and over and over again so you can get the camera choreography exactly the way you want it is probably really helpful to his process Mm -hmm. because you know it probably gets really annoying you know yelling at tj miller and telling him to be funny (laughs) as as opposed to like telling a like a a mercenary or or a trained marine or somebody to do something that they've drilled god knows how many fucking times yeah it's like yeah he'll do it the same way every single time because that's his job as opposed to like an actor who has to pretend they know how to do that job but yeah this gemini man movie is really fascinating because it came out with a a strange gimmick uh akin to the uh the hobbit movies do you remember when those were coming to theaters no um they had that gimmick where it, i forget what the frame rate was but it was project it was shot and projected at a it was like 40 frames per second or something it was it was a higher frame rate than is typical films are normally projected at 24 um and they had these special screenings for the movie that you had to go to special theaters with special equipment in order to to get the experience and like across the board everyone hated the way it looked Mm -hmm. and i guess they did the same thing with gemini man where it was shot it was shot expressly for the purpose of trying to explore this new way of presenting a film and again i guess across the board everyone hated the way it looked yeah um, so this is a real person real person well, no 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 it, had, it has it has nothing to do with that it's just the way the movie looks it's like when you go to best buy and they have the uh 120 hertz t- tvs yeah 
and and you're watching like a sports broadcast and it looks like it's shot on your dad's vhs camera Mm -hmm. like it looks cheap because it just it doesn't look cinematic it doesn't look filmic um and i guess that was the case with gemini man and what's really strange about making movies like that is that there's no way to replicate that on home video yeah. So the the way that movie was projected in theaters for like the two weeks or whatever they they had it, that's the those people who saw it will be the only people who know what that looked like. So there's no way I can replicate that experience and make a judgment because I didn't see it that way, and I don't think I'm gonna see it anyway, even though Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it and she's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I watched a really funny video essay. Um, from a, a YouTube channel called Folding Ideas, where they, the guy went to the theater three times to watch this movie. <laughs> he saw it at the high frame rate, he saw it in 3D, and he saw it normally. And he said, just like, it's just bad. <laughs> like, it's just top to bottom. There's nothing good about it. And what's especially shocking about it is it's directed by Ang Lee, who I think he's an Oscar winner. Like, he's, he's a very talented filmmaker. I mean, like he i mean the hulk is a terrible example of what he has to offer but i mean like crouching tiger hidden dragon and uh what's the heath ledger and jake gyllenhaal what was the name oh, broke back mountain yeah that was him too that was good so, he, so he's a talented oscar-winning director oscar nominated at the very least and then he does this shit <laughs> which apparently even from a script standpoint is just awful but that's that's i probably just said more about that movie than most critics have but um maleficent kyle uh maleficent mistress of evil this would be the sequel to i forget what year the first one came out but did you see the first one no i don't watch disney i don't watch disney movies like i'm watching the three musketeers like that's my kind of disney movie where it's like it's for kids but it's for adults and we didn't really care to tell you that (laughs) until after you let your kids watch it well they're disney's all about like subversion these days where like they they like taking the old tropes and the old stories and putting a new spin on them. Yeah. Um, like a friend of mine who has more knowledge of like musical theater and stuff told me around the time like Frozen came out that's like basically ever since Wicked came out on Broadway, like everybody's kind of hustling to keep up with that. And in fact, we've gotten to the point where they're just making a Wicked movie. Um, but yeah, Maleficent. The whole gimmick was it's it's Sleeping Beauty, but told from the perspective of maleficent the the villain from that um and conveniently she doesn't get killed by a prince with a sword at the end of the movie like she did in sleeping beauty um i saw the first one it's thematically it's kind of shocking like there's some heavy shit in there that like little kids would have no fucking clue like there's there's some implied content in there that's like whoa that is dark like pitch black for for what's supposed to be young people's entertainment but Outside of that, like it's it's very creatively confused. Charlotte Copley is horrible to look at and listen to. He's just really bad in it. <laughs> wedding night, wedding night, cuckold anal. Man, I really think that was a little spicy to be putting in a Disney movie. <laughs> Jesus! Wow, they are really pushing the boundaries here. <sighs> yeah, they they certainly did with Maleficent, but I I don't. I didn't hear anything about the second one, so I can't. I don't think I'm going to end up seeing it, so that's a no. 
but that's out on 4K, as is Gemini Man. And there's also a re-release of John Favreau's The Jungle Book, which I like kind John of Favreau. I do too. Um, I didn't see Zathura, um, but like The Jungle Book and Iron Man kind of secured his place as like the Disney guy because The Lion King also like that was his too. Like, did you he, get He's made. Did you watch The Mandalorian? Did you Did you watch that at all? I haven't. Oh, God, get off your ass. You're driving me nuts with this shit. I've been watching a lot of fucked up shit this month. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, fucked up shit. Um, but yeah, no, I do need to get to that because I know you really like it. It's fantastic. And, and I'm sure I'll really like it too. Yeah. Um, but moving on down, we got a, I presume, a re-release of uh, Richard Pryor in Brewster's Millions from 1985. I think I glanced at that when it was on TV when I was young. I I've glanced I at a few it. of his movies, and one with Gene Wilder as well. Which one? I Silver was going to say, he did, he did quite a few. Uh, see No Evil, Hear No Evil? I don't know, I don't know. I saw that one, and uh, again, uh, important movie for young developing boys. Um, <laughs> uh, my dad always liked Silver Streak. I haven't seen that one, though. Um we have another Criterion release, uh, The Fugitive Kind from 1960, and is that Brando? Oh, yes, that's it is. Brando. Uh, written by Tennessee Williams and directed by Sidney Lumet. Uh, I'm sure that is a big fucking deal. Right. Um, not familiar to me, but uh, that seems like something you could blind buy and probably have a good time with. Eh, I Ever since the butter incident with Brando, <laughs> man, I really don't know if I can watch him the same. Uh, I watched some uh, interview footage with him, like, I think last week, and he was, he was creepy. He's like, an odd. He's an odd piece of work. He's an actor from a specific he time period. He is actor. Like he is exactly like crazy person method. Like I'm gonna just see what I can get away with kind of person. Like I think he's a horrible human being in, mo- in real life, most likely. Um, but yeah, I I haven't really ventured into his old. So I'll get there eventually. It's just I'm not in the part of my life right now where I want to explore Brando's older work. No, I, I get that, and I'm in the same boat. Um, although it is funny because at the same time I was watch- I was jumping back and forth between watching old TV interview footage with him and Orson Welles, uh. and I could listen to Orson Welles talk forever. Like yeah. he is he is such a compelling human being because he. Like you said, they're both actors. Mm-hmm. Only difference is Brando seems to enjoy putting people on their heels, like just making people uncomfortable. And Orson Welles just like has fun with it. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, you want to see a magic trick? This bottle of champagne disappear." Three Bugs Bunny gulps. <laughs> <laughs> gulp, gulp, gulp. <laughs> Done. Done. Yeah, yeah, moving along here, uh, we have, I believe it's part part 10, the conclusion of Dragon Ball Super on Blu-ray. It's not my Dragon Ball anymore, so I haven't checked out Super. I left things at Z. A couple of re-releases of older movies, something called Night Patrol from 1984, The Great McGinty from 1940, uh, House by the River in 1950. Um, what is this, Jexy? Well, it's got that Adam. Like... De- it's got Adam Devine in it. You can skip it. 
It looks like indie schlock. He's that, he has one thing that he can do, and that's Adam DeMamp from fucking Workaholics. He's hilarious on that show. Do not watch him do anything outside of that. Nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Duly noted. Um, his face annoys me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just based on the font and the slightly washed out image on the cover, I can't help but think it's maybe indie schlock. Is Miles um, Teller dead yet? Have we have we stopped doing Miles Teller things? Kyle, Kyle, like just uh, breathe, take a deep breath. I don't want to hurt you right now. Ugh. He is going to be Goose's son in Top Gun Two. Ugh. So he's going to be in a movie that I'm going to subject myself to willingly <sighs> later this year. Gosh, pray for me, Kyle. <laughs> I'll pray for you. <laughs> um, we have a bunch of other re-releases. A Veep, the final season. Fuck yeah, I like that show. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, it, it ended you, on a, it ended interesting. It was an interesting ending. Uh, also, yeah, Aaron Eckhart. What the fuck happened to Aaron Eckhart? Oh, yeah, what? I just saw that. God damn it! <laughs> Line of Duty. I don't know what his he, breakout... he look. He looks sad on the cover. <laughs> I don't know what his breakout performance. Did he call some? Did he call someone the N word on the set of uh the the Dark Knight or something? Because maybe I don't know what happened. Like, thank you for smoking was great. It's it's a it's a good movie. He does a good job in that movie. Um, he's fine as Harvey Dent. It, it's a it's a fine performance, but like after that, it's just nothing. I Frankenstein. I Frankenstein. And that's yeah, it. like nothing else. And, and then, then he like, did a couple of those uh, uh, has fallen movies. The, oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. Olympus has fallen in one. He was the president, that and he before. looks presidential. He belongs in a suit. Yeah, because he got that cleft chin, but. And he was on a fucking episode of Frasier, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he he played a really fun character. If I remember right, he was, I, uh, he was in like a relationship with a woman that Frasier really wanted to get, and uh, he was totally just not threatened at all by Frasier's advances. Yeah. <laughs> like really explicit advances on his girlfriend. He's just like, <laughs> you're not a threat to me. Whatever. We're we're buddies, right? But no, I've always thought he was a decently charismatic actor but yeah for whatever reason his career just has not ever really amounted to much he's kind of a one-trick pony like he just we need him in a suit doing something in a suit if we can't find well what we need to do is get him and tom jane together (laughs) it's like have the battle of the cleft chins (laughs) i mean he could have his own like lawyer series like like on apple or something he's like a fucking like a bad lawyer like like a Lotharia lawyer or something like that. I don't know. Something. I, I don't know. I, I think he may be running out of time, but I, I do think he's a an asset. Like, if you put him in the right project, he won't disappoint you. He won't be the standout in anything. But I don't think I've ever seen him turn in a bad performance. Um, that's unfortunate, though. But, yeah, that cover is unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> um, beside that, though, we have Running with the Devil, starring Nicolas Cage and Lawrence Fishburne from 2019. Mm. Uh, those sideburns, kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know about that just for men, though. That's a bad look for Nick Cage. That's not good. Uh, that's one that I'll skip. He uh, has hair. Yeah. It's not his, but it's hair. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of putting it. Um, we have a re-release of Air Bud. Oh my God, nostalgia Ugh. is a hell of a thing. I guess we've moved far, far, far enough along in the timeline that Air Bud deserves a re-release. That was rented for me, 
and I watched it, and I was seeing red. I hate movies with animals. I hate movies where the like Free Willy, uh, Airbud, Dunstan checks in, Babe, uh, what the what is that? Uh, Gordy, like anything where there's an animal, a real animal as the main character, you can go fuck yourself. This was one of those movies. I'm like, I don't want to rent this. I'm like, it'll be fine. You should, you should watch it. And I'm just like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. I was too old for Airbud. I never saw it, but apparently there's a running gag of there being in a thousand like, of in, them. Yeah, in innumerable sequels. But I have a theory that um, CGI animals are box office gold. Like I, ho- I have a theory that any any movie, no matter how how good or bad, featuring CGI animals as the lead characters is guaranteed money. Yeah. Because um, there's an alarming number of those movies that get cranked out these days. Um, that's just a theory, though. I have no statistics to back it. But, um, <laughs> Let me see the statistics, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> um, something called "I'm Not Rappaport." <laughs> that's a that's an unfortunate title. I'm not Michael Rappaport. Um, something called "Creep" that has one of the worst covers I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I don't even give it the time of day. From 1995. Uh, now we're Piranhas. Starting. That's Piranhas, a compelling it's, cover, but it, it is. It looks Italian too. I have a feeling it's not good though. Hard to say. Um, good cover though. I will give it that. It caught my eye. It's it, from 2019. It's good-ish. That's why I'm thinking like it might not be that good because it's like it, it's got a compelling cover. But now that I look at it, I'm like I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, beside that, we have Iron Sky: The Coming Race, which I I think that's part of a franchise. It's it's basically there's like a, a very 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 tiny niche audience for a like sci-fi nazi movies <laughs> basically it's like super fantastical over-the-top things featuring nazis being brutalized oh okay. um, there, there's an audience for it um, there's a market for that yeah no even uh, even kung fury dipped into that where it's like it's it's like automatic lulls as the kids say to have hitler in something and have him be belittled or, or murdered. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what else we got here? Give Me Liberty looks like indie schlock. Probably wrong on that, but... No, you're not wrong. It looks like schlock. Uh, Beyond the Law. Yeah. Steven Seagal, DMX, and someone named Johnny Messner. But I, th- I sent you a trailer for this a little while ago because I was shocked by what DMX looked like. Mm. I didn't recognize him. Like, he was unrecognizable to me. The years have not been kind to Mr. X. The years have not been kind to you. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I haven't watched willingly a uh, Steven Seagal movie in quite some time. But I don't know. I'm uh, I'm always getting that itch, though. It's like maybe I should should check one out just to see where he's at these days. (laughs) And, you know, reunited with DMX. (laughs) Reunited with DMX. That's kind of a big fucking deal. Um. We got some more anime, a re-release of Neighbors 2. Um, I would actually like to see the first one. It's very funny. It's It has some of the funny, like, it's one of those comedies that I've brought it into my daily life, like, quotable. Like, yeah. there's quite a few that's been, it's really funny. I really enjoyed that. Uh, the second one, not so much. You can skip that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would go that far, but the first one did look good enough to me that I would check it out. Uh, and then the rest for the week is nothing but re-releases of things that have come out 
at least a few years ago, if not more. I watched uh, uh, I watched Us, bef- and I haven't seen Get Out, and I was so disappointed with Us that I still I'm like I don't even want to watch Get Out now. I was so upset by Us. Get Out is much better. That's um, what I've I heard. didn't I didn't care much for Us. I was very like, disappointed. I really didn't, and I think it's funny that like it it's like whispered about a lot, where it's like. Oh, this movie has a lot to say. It's like I don't think it does. It does. <laughs> like yeah, you, you can in the mainstream, it's you can mention it. You can't say something. You can mention something in a film and kind of hint at it. But if you really want to say something, you're gonna need that. Uh, you're gonna need that art house. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna yeah, need no. total control. It's a. It's very well shot at times, but it's also meandering and kind of lackadaisical in the mid in the middle yeah and it and there's very little payoff like i was expecting some really profound like yeah spooky shit towards the end and that turned out to be just kind of flat nothing same happened to me with brightburn actually where i i do this thing where I, i write a narrative in my head as i'm watching the movie and then i get really disappointed when it comes nowhere close to what i had imagined because like brightburn i was expecting like fucking cthulhu to show up yeah. <laughs> like like i was expecting some some an escalation it, and we have, never really get there you have to meet almost meet or exceed my expectations overlord was one of those i'm like oh i know where this is gonna go and then i watched them like you can go fuck yourselves because that was the one of the worst things i've ever had to sit through did you watch overlord that yeah i told oh, you overlord yeah. overlord was the catalyst for me saying we should do a uh uh like failing to meet expectations episode like yeah. like missed potential basically yeah because that move that premise there's a lot you could do with that you could make that really cool yeah but they utterly failed <laughs> they did not they did nothing with the tools they had at their disposal it was very disappointing yeah um and that's that's what secured uh wyatt russell's place on your list of like people that if i see are in a movie i i will walk away from (laughs) actually uh natasha leone is that's Mm. one of the other reasons i didn't i was driving when i was texting you um i cannot suffer her uh she is from new york from what i can gather but i watched that russian doll series with steph and it's really good russian doll is really good She's so fucking annoying. She has like she's doing like uh, like an Italian guy in every fucking scene, and she's doing this. It's fucking annoying in that show, but it's still good. <laughs> and then you you pitch that in my like, Auntie Birth. I'm like, and she's she's like her character's just like that in um in Russian Doll, careless drug like just using drugs, smoking. I'm like, I can't suffer. I can't do it. She just drives me up a wall. Again. <laughs> Russian doll's good. She's good. It's good. But I can't listen to her. Oh. Duly noted. Sorry. Um sorry. So <laughs> no, I I'm glad you're getting the you're getting your demons out of the basement. Uh, it's gotta come out sometime. Uh, also, I also haven't had on today, so <laughs> Oh okay. So you're you're you're, I'm a you're a bit frustrated. Uh, you're a bit prickly. Um so moving on down though, uh, we have a movie on January twenty first, twenty twenty. We have a movie that I think you said you were gonna dip your toes into just today. In fact, I think I'm gonna watch it today. It's I. It has one star ratings across the board. It's kind of like you. Nice. You know it's gonna be bad. You're like I, I gotta see how bad we're talking here. Because uh, I, I yeah I do like Kevin Smith. He has I'd say fifty fifty filmography as far as movies that I like. 
Um, and like Clerks 2 was fucking hilarious. Like that was 2008 when that came out. 2007 to 2008, and that was fucking great. Zack and Mary make a porno. That was 2008. Sorry. Uh, great, great comedy. Since then, I can't. Th- I think he's kind of messed with like the Die Hard movies. I think he's done mostly writing. I can't think of the last movie of his that I've seen that he directed. Um, but apparently, I'm like, I knew when I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? I'm like. I don't think that's going to be very good, but then the feedback so far has been, oh, it's not. So, yeah, the the movie we're talking about here is Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Oh, I'm sorry um, we didn't mention it. <laughs> yeah, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot from 2019. It's coming to Blu-ray, uh, again, 20, January 21st. Um, yeah, I. it's funny. I think the last movie of his I watched was Tusk. Oh, um, I tried watching Tusk. I couldn't even get through the first five minutes. I mean... Genesis Rodriguez, you know that that'll that'll get your attention. Um, and uh, Haley Joel Osment's very funny in it, um, but he's only in a few minutes of it, unfortunately. And I I always get a kick out of Justin Long because I have a friend who looks exactly like him, nah. <laughs> and horrible things happen to him in that movie. And I was like, <laughs> I know that guy. But um, yeah, apparently Kevin Smith has had a really fascinating career through Hollywood, where he you know he got the Weinstein connection. Uh, he made all of his uh, SQ-Universe movies, as in, like, the Jay and Silent Bob yeah. movies and stuff. Mallrats, um, In between all that, he he wrote some Batman comics. Uh, he did that Cop Out movie. Um, he did Red State, which was apparently, a like, an out-of-nowhere kind of movie for him because it's, like, a, a brutal, like, cult movie, basically. Hmm. And uh, it's... I guess it takes place in, like, a church or something. There's, like, a super right-wing cult, and then there's a big shootout at the end. It's, like, a hyper-violent, crazy movie. Um, that and Cop Out are kind of, like, the odd men out on his filmography. Uh, I haven't seen Red State, but it's divisive, to say the least, because it's not what you'd expect. Um, but the one of the major actors from that he's been having constant collaborations with, he's this Canadian guy that was in Twin Peaks in, a, I think, the second season he's good at playing creepy creepy guys um but yeah with tusk he started like a trilogy where um i forget what it's called but it's a it's basically like canadian horror movies kind of um so it's it's a tusk and then uh yoga hosers was the second one that looked absolutely horrible but it stars he and johnny depp's daughters and i think that's the entire reason the movie exists is to is to let them you know hang out and like do it a favor to their kids basically and then there's a movie that's yet to be made called moose jaws which is supposed to be like the plot of jaws but with a moose monster um again yet to be made um i really haven't watched that many kevin smith movies but as a personality i find him compelling because he he's like the brightest ray of sunshine i think that's why like, he keeps getting work he's the night he looks like the nicest he is the guy nicest the guy yeah. like he is the nicest most upbeat person um every interview i've ever seen with him he's just utterly pleasant and affable um of course you told me a while back like he he does the speaking tours and stuff he made a whole career out of just yeah. like touring colleges and telling stories i mean the uh <laughs> the uh death and re- the death of superman lives had a lot yeah, uh, material there. pointing towards that. Uh, him and John Peters' interactions led to some fun stories. Um, but yeah, he had a heart attack a couple years ago, and I think that's where the Jay and Silent Bob reboot comes from. Mostly, mm-hmm. it's like he had a moment of clarity where it's like, oh shit, I'm, I'm, 
not going to be around forever. So I got to like change things and maybe get back to basics or something. Well, Cause he was venturing out and doing some new stuff. And that's like, no, maybe let's keep it simple. Well, <laughs> fucking Jason Muse. I don't know what's going on with his teeth, but I don't know if he's just been a lifelong smoker and his teeth have just hit the fucking wall. He does not look healthy. Like he looks like a former giant. He did. He did have a problem with drugs for a while. Yeah. Uh, and he confirmed. Looks, yeah. It's like it, it looks like it's hit him hard now because he looks bad. I like, wouldn't be surprised if that's p- part of it too. Maybe helping in the rehab process by giving him something to do. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of it. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is obnoxious, but it does it does have some still like laugh out loud moments for me. And uh, it, it's supposed to be like a cartoon. Like Jay and Silent Bob are supposed to be cartoon characters. Like they're supposed to be off the wall. It's supposed to be goofy. Uh, so I know what I'm going to be getting myself into with this, but I don't even think it's gonna it's gonna recapture the magic. <laughs> as well, it were. I also. I also don't think you're gonna have the worst time in the world with it, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I would watch that. Like it, I know it's gonna be bad, but the fuck again, count better be through the roof. That's the. Only I'm way. sure it will. Yeah. I'm sure it will, and it doesn't take much to deliver on the promise of a fucking Jay and Silent Bob. I like Jason Mewes. <laughs> like I think like him him playing Jay is always fucking funny. Like I love the character Jay. It's great. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not going to watch this today, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up renting it just for fun someday. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about the next one. Uh, Kyle, you got to. Zombieland Double Tap. You need to articulate what's wrong with it. I've because been... Because you, you, you had a tirade via text right after you finished this I've been. So this I'm, is Zombieland Double Tap. I'm a big Woody Harrelson fan. I like him across the board. I like him funny. I like him serious. I enjoy him a lot. He's a good bad guy. He's a good good guy. He was great in Solo. He was great in that last Planet of the Apes movie. True Detective was great. Uh, I love his comedy stuff. He does a great job as uh, Larry Flint and uh, The People versus Larry Flint. Um, and he was very good in Zombieland. And he actually toes the line of uh, like kind of a menacing character. And he's playing a serious role, but he's also really funny in the first Zombieland. It's a really good movie. Um, and I really enjoyed it. This, they're just, they just recycled jokes from the first movie. And it's ridiculous. I, I, I've seen it before in movies where you just kind of like point back to, remember what we did in the last movie? Or TV shows, I think, are guilty of this. They get to a certain point. It's always sunny in Philadelphia hit a point where they're like, bringing back old stuff the league like the third season is just them talking about the first two seasons making the same <laughs> jokes and it's i don't see it as much in movies from like like off the top of my head but this is literally just all the jokes from the first movie and we they introduce a character that's um supposed to be like really dumb and ditzy like an early 2000s idea of blonde sorority girl dumbass oh like, no oh, i'm like dude we're way too late for that that sounds awful it was so like she was and i'm like i thought it was a gimmick at first i'm like oh she's playing these guys like it's just a joke and it no that's legit what the character was i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me um emma stone does not want to be doing that movie uh woody harrelson's the only one that actually seems okay with doing it jesse eisenberg as well but it the fucking premise is like the the story's fine it's just they they set up no jokes. Uh, you still get kind of that like fantasy, that that post-apocalyptic fantasy of like, what would I do? What like, what would I go do? Uh, Turbo Kid. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what, what's the fun stuff to go do? And they touch on that briefly, but the fucking jokes 
either aren't there or just hit like a thud, and it just it sucked. They have nothing good to say about it except for uh, a post. There's a uh, mid credits sequence with Bill Murray uh, right before the virus outbreak, and it's fucking hilarious. Like Bill Murray's like so funny, and he's doing. Uh, he's doing press for Garfield 3, <laughs> which I don't think ever <laughs> happened, but it was just really funny. Uh, and he's not even in the movie. It's the it, after the movie's over. So don't buy this. Don't watch it. Fuck this movie. Ugh, oh, so gosh. Much. You know what? I, I just uh, on a on a lark, I, I clicked around on the description for the movie because um, I haven't even seen the first one. And looking at this director, uh, Ruben Fleischer, his filmography, it's like, Wow, he's uh maybe not the best. No. Um he's got some T V credits that probably earn him a lot of credit. Um Superstore and uh Santa Clarita Diet. Is Superstore good? Because it's been on for a while and I'm like I feel like I, I might be I missing. feel like it has to be good and it probably speaks to a certain aspect of, of our country, like like on on a certain level. <laughs> where it's it's like America Ferrera, is that her name? Ugly Betty? Yeah, I like her. I like her a lot. I, I watched a lot of Ugly Betty at one point in time. I never finished it, but I did. I did like it when I watched it. Um, and then he did Gangster Squad, which is half of a great movie. I wanted so badly to like it because it's like ben just. Fleck? Uh, no, it's Josh Brolin and Ryan Gosling and oh, Sean Penn. No clue. No, I, I actually own a DVD that I got for literally two dollars um, because I was always intrigued by the premise of it because it's Sean Penn is a Jewish gangster in like prohibition. Oh era. yes, 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 yes. I remember the uh, I remember the the marketing for that. I remember. And that. then I, I read the description of the plot, and the movie ends with a fist fight between Sean Penn and Josh Brolin. I was like, I don't care if this is good. I need to see that. Brolin, and, Brolin wins that and fight. it it just doesn't it doesn't come together and it's it's half of a great movie but he also directed a he may not have directed it because i think unicorn store was actually directed by brie larson um and starring i I have a theory that like captain marvel only came together because she said if i do this i get to do that (laughs) as in i get to make my own movie um, but uh, the thing that jumped out to me, though, that I've been working my way to this whole time was uh, he directed Venom. Mm. Um, and Woody Harrelson is, of course, in that post credit scene of, Vet- of Venom that uh, I th- you skipped. <laughs> like you didn't bother with. That's, that, <laughs> could, that doesn't matter. I just remember we, we did it. We did our review of Venom. Check it out if you haven't listened to it. Um, and when it came up, I asked about it and you're like, what <laughs> there was a post credits <laughs> you you cared care. that much yeah anyway woody harrelson is in the post credits of venom and he's gonna be carnage gonna in be carnage. the next venom it's gonna be carnage carnage yeah. i'm i'm i appreciate the the reemergence of woody harrelson I'm, I'm glad he's doing stuff and i mean yeah that, he was great in the most recent planet of the apes yeah he was, he was good he's that. good he's good he's good yeah yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, there's I, actually there, I, I, there's a movie of his that uh, I can't remember if it if it was good or not. But for some reason, it's been on my mind a lot lately. Cause maybe because I'm like I have sports dramas on the brain. But uh, play it to the bone mm. with him and Antonio Banderas. It's a cool concept. It's about two journeyman boxers who. Um, I remember the cover for that. Yeah. In in fighting each other, uh, can vie for like a title shot. So it's two guys who know each other. They're friends with each other. They're like on the road with each other. That's like 
So we're going to have to fight each other and whoever wins, it's going to like change their life forever potentially. Yeah. And I, I can't remember if it's actually good or not, but I just love that premise so much. It was really cool. But um, moving on down though. Um, oh, funny timing again. Uh, so the Adams family, the animated movie, the CGI animated one from 2019. I'm not going to bother with that. Uh, I'm fine with the Adams family that I have. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yep. One of the funniest fucking movies I've ever seen. I, I love it. Um, but the, the funny timing comes in the form of Pain and Glory, which also comes out the same day, uh, also from 2019. And this stars, I don't know if it stars Antonio Banderas, but uh, he is up for an Oscar this year because of this movie. No shit. Uh, apparently he killed it. Uh, I don't know anything about the movie, but that's the one thing I know. Well, we've got um, a that. we've got a mouthful of the Joker's dick. I don't think anybody's going to get past that movie. <laughs> uh, and beside that, we have a uh, Criterion release La. from 1963, Le Petit Soldat. Yeah, uh, I've heard of this, and I think I've got it on a list somewhere um, to watch. Oh. Well, check it out. Yeah. Because pro- it might be available to you right now. Who knows? Well, I actually have two movies I want to watch on the Criterion channel that aren't available available to me right now. So, fuck me, right? <laughs> um, moving on down, though, we have Countdown from 2019. This would be that one that has one of your uh, one of your comedians that you like in there. And uh, is it a stout fella, half Hispanic, oh. hangs out with Joe Rogan regularly? Tom Segura. Oh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it took a minute. Uh, I gave yeah. you so many details. Oh, no, I was thinking short. I'm like, I don't know short, but yeah. Uh, I don't know Tom how Segura. tall he is. He looks short. No, he's like, like he looks like he has a Costanza build. Oh, but... no, he's like six feet, he's six feet tall. Um, oh, fuck, really? Yeah, he's, he's a big guy. Uh, countdown, yes, he's in that. <laughs> yeah, he has a... He has a small role in there as like a Verizon store employee or something. He's in this new uh, Mark Wahlberg movie uh, as his like brother-in-law, and I just went through and watched his scenes. He's fucking hilarious in it. I'm really happy he's getting movies now. Uh- <laughs> I don't know his comedy, but he's in every instance in which I've encountered him, I've been happy with. Did his I, personality and his, the things he has to say. Did I send you uh, him as the him as the mayor? His mayor skit. Yes, oh, yes, you did a long time ago. That oh. and his dancing, his uh, his this dance, dance video. Oh, that was good. Yeah. That uh, was. I mean, it especially because it had some details that I think you and I appreciate more than mm-hmm. most folks. It's, <laughs> it's like I know what. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I know what you're doing. I, I know what notice, that outfit is. I didn't even notice the carrot. He mentions the carrot. He's like, "There's a like an in, there's like a, a photo of uh, Seagull eating a carrot," <laughs> and that's what that was. I'm like, "Oh, it's fucking brilliant." Uh, um, yeah. Uh, somebody gave Tyrese a job outside of the Fast and Furious franchise. Black and Blue from 2019, also starring Naomi Harris. Uh, actually, reverse that. Um, Naomi Harris and Tyrese. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, a cop drama. Um, it kind of came and went. I don't know if it's good or bad. I would assume not great. Um, we got some other classic releases. Uh, that cover for Sliding Doors is kind of cool. That's uh, a re-release of a Gwyneth Paltrow movie. Dude, um, I watched the preview for... She is the show or a thing on Netflix called Goop. I think working for her, like... It looks like a fucking nightmare. 
Like they're like I guess she's into like finding all these alternative medicine, like all alternative medicine and alternative techniques and stuff like that. I gotta send you the trailer for it, dude. It looks insane. Uh, well, that's the name of her company. Is yeah. it just like a, a documentary about the company? Or I something? guess so. It's either a documentary about the company or it's like a docu series or something like that. But yeah, uh, she's a crazy person. I, well, I mean, she spent how many years pretending to be British? She's she literally probably is a crazy person. <laughs> she is a crazy person. Yes, and apparently she has that. Like, for I don't know if she still has this, but like she was like super into like fitness and whatnot for a minute there yoga of something yeah I, I, no like 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 pretty intense fitness or something uh, krav maga uh pilates yoga something along those lines there's a class for that but uh, it was just really funny seeing her like pop up in iron man where it's like she comes across as just this like you know goofy kind of you know she's the leading lady of like a comic book movie but like behind all that it's like she's this business guru like yeah. fitness addict <laughs> like it's like oh jesus <laughs> like what you do behind closed doors i guess but, yeah um besides sliding doors we have a movie that i actually have uh coming in the mail maybe even today uh, it's a documentary called in search of the last action heroes mm. this is a documentary about um the rise oh that's me <laughs> um the rise of the action genre as a whole so like how it evolved from westerns and whatnot because it's um it's a modern genre of film like it didn't really exist until the like improper until like the 80s basically yeah uh, it's just kind of going over that unfortunately they weren't able to get like interviews with the heavy hitters like the arnolds and the stallones and whatnot he doesn't which, have to do which, anything he doesn't want to it kind of breaks the whole concept of the documentary in some ways because like you're not talking to the right people yeah but you know the right people unfortunately have price tags and you can't afford it <laughs> you can't talk to arnold schwarzenegger without i think five zeros behind some kind of number well that and all it would take is for him to say i don't want to talk about that or i don't remember that and then the whole interview is worthless and you just lost a bunch of money <laughs> also i was rewatching predator and uh i think i know <laughs> i think i know why he started having sex with his cleaning lady <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say uh, it, but I mean, yeah, I think I, I think yeah, I figured yeah. it out. Um, I was gonna ask you about uh, coming up here, uh, Dragonfly with Kevin Costner. I have no idea what this is. Um, let's read the description. We haven't done that yet. Um, 2002, uh, directed by Tom Shadyac. Uh, after his wife is killed while performing relief work in Central America, a doctor's patients begin delivering messages from her from the afterlife. Oh, nope. Okay. I remember the promotion for this movie. Wow. Um, Kevin Costner has an audience, and I'm not it. No, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do remember the promotion for it. Um, it, it just looked like kind of a nothing little movie his audience is dads that own baseball jerseys oh yeah no anybody who has an appreciation for baseball but it's funny actually um in my mind for whatever reason i uh my the streams get crossed there's some circuits that get crossed and uh what lies beneath gets for some reason i get those two confused with each other mm, yeah um yeah that was not a great movie either <laughs> <laughs> Um, 2019, The Courier. Uh, that is Gary Oldman. Oh, I'm. He's been doing a lot of these lately. A lot he's of not direct afraid to of, video. He is not afraid of anything. He will do anything. 
Oh yeah. No, this is known, but in between, you know, doing Darkest Hour and like getting Oscars and shit, he he does a lot of direct-to-video crap. And this has wow, that's a that's a cast. Um starring Olga Kurylenko. Mm. Academy Award winner Gary Oldman. They put that on the fucking cover yeah. and he's wearing an eye patch by the way. And Dermot Mulroney. Oh. <laughs> Damn. I was going to say, so he has played a little person. He has played a racially a racially ambiguous pimp. Uh, he's played Sid Vicious. He has played Winston Churchill. He will fucking do anything. It does not matter. Yeah, actually, I just watched... Well, finished, actually, because I watched the first half like five years ago. But I just finished um, the documentary about the Hellraiser the first two movies mm-hmm. um good documentaries not very good movies but <laughs> good documentaries though because they spend most of their time with the makeup technicians um apparently gary oldman was uh up for pinhead oh. and in a lot of ways i feel like had he gotten that role maybe his career would have gone in a totally different direction possibly because because you know that turned into a franchise role and what he did around the, you know, like in the late 80s like that was like when he really took the fuck off. So had he gotten like a juicy franchise role that he could just sit on and relax with, maybe he wouldn't have taken as many chances or done a lot of the great stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. So it worked out for everyone. Doug Bradley got, you know, the only job he ever had. <laughs> and uh, Gary Oldman won an Oscar decades later. Um, moving along, though, we have Di- Dragonheart, A New Beginning. Uh, from 2000 i think there are like three or four dragon heart movies by now i know you're not a big fan of the first one no um i saw it in the theater i liked it i it's it's a guilt one would call it a guilty pleasure for me personally <laughs> put a pin in that for next month maybe maybe um bunch of re-releases a jackie chan movie called the night of shadows which is just a little bit too chinese for me <laughs> it's like <laughs> like like i don't know what it is about chinese like period costume dramas they're just a little too foreign for me it's like i i absolutely love a lot of chinese movies mostly hong kong productions but this one it's just like just from the color and the trailer that i saw a long time ago i'm like there there are several layers of this that are just gonna go right over my fucking head and i'm just gonna be confounded and frustrated it's just not gonna be as fun as i want it to be (laughs) um Tons of re-releases of older classic movies. Um, Anthropocene, The Human Epoch from 2018. Um, I just need to read the description of this because it has a it has a indie award show like emblems all over the cover. Uh, filmmakers travel to six continents and 20 countries to document the impact humans have made on the planet. So that's a environmentalist documentary of some sort, I'd imagine. Um, seems like it was well received based on the emblems but then again it could be that uh, Rotten Tomatoes thing or for the love of God please watch our movie Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the rest of the week looks like shit ton of anime and some really cheap crappy looking movies Yeah. Um, so we'll just go ahead and skip those um, And which brings us to the last chunk of the month uh, looks like we have Oh, just throwing it out there. We have an in-between release on January 24th, a movie called The Trigonal Fight for Justice. If I remember right, this is a Filipino martial arts movie that I caught a trailer for a while back. Uh, it doesn't look good enough to 
to like warrant a watch on my part but you know wouldn't mind seeing more filipino movies make it over here i've seen exactly one <laughs> it's called by bust and it's actually not bad and it's it's a it gets pretty fucking political at the end despite being a action movie also uh brian vera from the ufc is in it <laughs> he's a he's a uh, i think he's mixed uh he's like part filipino i think but um big heavyweight filipino guy um and he's in there and a a pop star that some of my co-workers told me is kind of a big deal for me she was just a pretty face um but by bust was okay um so let's get to the last week of the month um this would be january 28th first release is one that i swear has come out three times in the past three months uh, this would be Tammy and the T-Rex on fucking 4K. <laughs> um, this is starring uh, Paul Walker, I think, in his first movie. Uh, Denise Richards and Terry Kaiser. Um, I remember when this came out in 1994 because, you know, 1994, we're only like a year removed from Jurassic Park and Carnosaur and probably Prehysteria and probably We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. We were fully in the thick of dinosaur fever and then this comes out oh yeah and uh, don't forget theodore rex the Whoopi goldberg animatronic t-rex movie um uh detective t-rex movie <laughs> um and then this came out and i just remember seeing it at the grocery store and just being like i have no time for that <laughs> like even as a kid i was just like that that just looks sad <laughs> but yeah uh I've noticed a lot of critics that I follow have jumped on this movie and are doing reviews for it, like contemporary reviews for it, because, I mean, just look at the cover and the title. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're doing, like, an, an ironic entertainment review, that's ripe for the picking. It's like The Room, but with the T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> so bad it's good, you know. Uh, and beside that, we have Parasite. Uh, Bong Joon-ho's uh, up for Best Picture and a number of other re- awards this year. Uh, I just watched this a couple of days ago, and I would definitely recommend it to you, Kyle. Oh, I'm going to watch it uh, probably this week sometime. I'm not going to buy it on Blu-ray. I'm just going to rent it. Um, but, yeah. Is it no, Bong, Bong Joon-ho makes beautiful movies. His his camera work is, like, so... It's, like, calculated to the point of, like, being almost nerve-wracking. Mm. It's hard to explain, but, like, if you watch the way he does, like, pans... And like the way he does tracking shots, it's so intensely coordinated. That's like, how they do that? <laughs> it's like, like how many takes did you do? Who, who did their job so, so perfectly? Was it the actors or was it the camera operator following them? I don't know, but it's it's so precise. It's so clean. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. It's a, uh, I think I told you via text like, the three movies that I have in my head is like being up for best picture i guess would be 1917 joker because of because of politics not because i think it deserves the award but because of politics um and parasite i would i think if i had to pick one from the three it'd probably be parasite um and beside that we have a movie that i think we're both going to subject ourselves to oh yeah willingly terminator dark fate also on 4k um what have you heard of this movie, Kyle? Um, I've heard that it's not as bad as what we think it is, but it's not good. Um, so much so that people weren't giving it a chance that like there's such a bad taste in everybody's mouth from Terminator 3, Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis, 
that we're like, we know what this is going to be. We know it's going to be stupid. And they're like, no, 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 no. Somebody, uh, somebody wrote a review and they're like, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's not bad for those reasons mentioned in those other movies. It has its own problems, but it's not good, not necessarily. Um, which I'm, it's enough for me to give it a try. Um, and they even did like, they've got Linda Hamilton, they've got Arnold, back, real Arnold back for this one. Uh, he is, hasn't been, he was in T3, which he made $30 million for, I think, which is probably why they're like, we can't get him back for any of these movies. So if you can get him back for this one, and I think James Cameron has a writing credit on it, if I'm not, or a producing credit. <sighs> James Cameron's connection to the franchise has been very strange. Because yeah. remember when Genesis came out, which Arnold was in also. Yeah. Um, when when Genesis came out, he said almost verbatim like all the exact same things he said about this one. Where it's like he was singing its praises, like saying it's like oh it's a return to form. It's like it's everything that I wanted for the franchise. It's like your connection to this is maybe you throw a couple of bucks at the people making it and then you walk away. Like, uh, this isn't see, yours anymore. He, he would have said that for Genesis because they show clips of. Um, the first movie, so it's kind of like just rubbing his dick through, his, like all over the jeans kind of thing. It's just like, check this out, James. We're gonna do this whole movie, and it's gonna be about the first movie. Isn't that cool? He's like, this is great. This is great stuff. I mean, you're just stroking his ego at that point. It's like exact repli- like replications or recreations of his own movie. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he's gonna be like, this is. You know what, guys? This is actually gonna be pretty good. Uh, I still <laughs> like- think that Terminator <laughs> Salvation is the best to come out of the post Terminator Two movies. Um, and it's not good. Don't get me wrong. It's not good. No, it's it's not good. But um, it's actually funny. It parallels Star Wars a little bit in that way, where I, I said that uh, the Last Jedi is starting to look better and better as more time passes, and mm. now that we have another movie following it, even more so. And I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that Salvation did something different. Yeah, like it legitimately did something different. It didn't exactly do it well, but it was an attempt. It was a. It was a. It was a ball or a missed pitch or something. It, yeah. it was, it's, it's not a strikeout by any means, but it's just like you know, you, you took a swing and you fucked up, or you, yeah. or maybe you just didn't swing. Whereas like, Genesis is, I keep, I don't know why I keep using this phrase, but the panic button. Yeah. Genesis is the panic button where it's like, oh shit, we don't know what to do anymore. Let's just go back and redo everything we did before because we know that that works. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if financially it succeeded but creatively it is garbage like genesis is like that's one of the few movies i've seen like big franchise movies because i'm pretty lenient when it comes to most things but that one i was like legit like upset with yeah i was like you you just gave zero fucks about this movie like you just did not care (laughs) and it's it is bad and also like jai courtney i don't know what it is about him if he has a curse or something but wherever that man goes, bad things follow. <laughs> like, yeah, he has nothing good to his name. Yeah. I mean, nope. honestly, I, I can't think of any. You were going to say something. I, you were say something. Like, I was trying. I, I paused for a second. Like, I no thought about good it. good credit. No, he, I don't think I've ever seen a good movie that, well, well, a movie that benefited from him. Like Jack Reacher, I can stomach. Actually, I enjoy Jack Reacher, but... Uh, he has a fist fight with Tom Cruise that is really anticlimactic and not very convincing at all because he's like twice Tom Cruise's fucking size. Yeah, right. <laughs> but 
Yeah, Jai Courtney is box office. Well, he's not box office poison, but he is not somebody you want to bring on the set. No. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'll probably end up renting this maybe even today. <laughs> you have to buy it today because it's, it, it's you can't you can't get oh, to it yet. Well, I'm feeling especially masochistic, so I'll oh, check it out. Really? <laughs> uh, beside that, though, we have another Criterion release, something called Failsafe from 1964. Uh, Cindy Lumet. Uh, Oh, another one. Walter Mothau. Mothau. Ooh, I know you have a thing for him. I do. Uh, interesting. I'm reading the description. It's a long description. Um, oh. It's a very dad movie. It seems very like uh, like a dialogue film. Like nothing's really happening. It's just dialogue. So uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Maybe not. Not a big dialogue uh, let's, person. Let's uh, scare Jessica to death. 1971. Uh, and also Slumber Party Massacre, 1982. I believe that's a Scream Factory release. Probably has a shit ton of special features, which is always fun. Uh, I think the gimmick of that one is that a drill is used as like the murder tool. Mm-hmm. Um, in between all that, we have another Criterion release, All About My Mother from 1999. Wow, that's fairly recent. Uh, Very Bad Things from 1998. I, remember, I should know that, but I don't. I remember the marketing. I'm like, this looks like a really, really dark comedy. Like one my parents would not let me watch. I've heard it's awful. It's just not good at all. But I still kind of want to watch it. Kyle, 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 open that page and then scroll down to the first screenshot. And just look at the faces. Like, look at the people who are in it. Oh, I know. Kind of, Daniel Stern. Kind of, it, that's kind of Slater. incredible, dude. Yeah. Uh, John Favreau. Jeremy Piven. Jeremy John Piven. Favreau and... Uh, What's his face from uh, Alien Resurrection? Isn't Peter Berg that piece of shit who directed Smoke and Aces? Yep, that's him. Or he's at Peter, least in it. Yeah. Peter Berg is an interesting wow. guy. He yeah. is a little weird. Um, he has a new Marky Mark coming up. He has a new Marky Mark movie coming out. On of course Netflix he does. Because apparently he can't make movies without Marky Mark anymore. He did Collateral. <laughs> uh, he's in Collateral. Oh, he's in it. Okay. Michael Mann directed Collateral. <laughs> No, he's an actor and a director, but he he does a lot of rah rah America movies lately. Oh yeah, like Lone Survivor, and uh, that uh, Deepwater Horizon. He's I think of him as a parallel to Michael Bay, in a lot of ways because they share a lot of cast members in their movies. Uh, aesthetically, their movies look kind of similar. Uh, only difference is Peter Berg seems like angrier, I guess. Yeah. And also he has this really weird hang up about the military where I think he has like a guilt complex about the military where like he didn't serve. But yeah, he, so he's like intensely reverent towards the people who did. There's a character on 30 Rock that Liz, uh, uh, Tina Fey dates. Uh, he's the the mayhem guy from the uh, commercials. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Dennis is his name in the series. And he's like somebody brings up John McCain. He's like. Ah, can't go for McCain. He's a Navy boy. I almost joined the Marines once. <laughs> it's the funniest shit. The, the phrasing on that's but perfect. I like. I know the. I know that mind. I like. I get what he's go. Like I get what he's coming from. And he's he's from Boston in the show. Um, or he's from New York or whatever. But and he's all that guy's also from the East Coast. But I get like that same. Like he's like a real life dentist. Like he's that guy. He's like, no, I'm not gonna make any movies about the Navy, man. I almost joined the Marines once, you know. So I'm, I'm not. I, I'm about that. Uh, but he did direct. I think I sent you that the the around the Super Bowl last year. He directed that commercial with like all the different football players through uh, through NFL history that are still alive. Uh, it's really good. Um, but 
smoking aces, I'll just never forgive. Well, uh, that that's another wrinkle in his career that I I don't know where it comes from, but he he has this thing where he has a lot of cameos in all of his movies. Like there's a lot of familiar faces that pop out. I don't know if like he he's like in the right social circle in Hollywood. But he like seems even like that, a fun like he seems like he's a fun dude to hang out with. Probably. I mean, he does in interviews he can be kind of intense, but he does seem like a fairly nice fella, but like that new Marky Mark movie that's coming to Netflix has a uh, like fucking like Post Malone or something and like a cameo oh. in a prison scene or something. And there's just like random cameos sprinkled throughout his movies. Like the the even the the promotion for that Entourage movie, like you can tell like there's just random celebrities sprinkled here and there. This is like what that's what, are what you it doing is. Here? I think I think Entourage is what did it because it was about Hollywood and it was being filmed there. So I think maybe that just got him like doing that show and being friends with Marky Mark. I think that's probably what did it. Uh, I probably. did want to I did want to point out he did something with Leftovers. I'm not sure if he was a director or anything like that. But this was a show that was short-lived on HBO. And I watched the first few episodes of the season. People kept telling me, you got to watch The Leftovers. you got to watch The Leftovers. Because, you know, HBO shows are all a rage. Like, if anybody recommends it, you, you know it's pretty good. I watched the first few episodes. I'm like, guys, the show isn't good. It's just leaving on good cliffhangers, like the show Heroes. I watched that first season of Heroes. I'm like, this show sucks. It has great cliffhangers. And it makes you want to see what happens next. But it's not a good show. And my buddy's like, nah, man, you're just not getting it. And it was, it's done now. And, like, nobody's talked about it. It's not like Carnival where everybody was like, dude, it just ended too soon. It was so good, but it ended too soon. I'm like, no, it was a bad show. And I'm vindicated. <laughs> it was not a good show. And I'm glad that they came to their senses. Wow, you're, you're getting all the stuff out of the basement today. I'm glad to hear it. It's just coming <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> it's bubbling to the surface. I need a cigarette. <laughs> Actually, I don't need a cigarette. I need a, a, a different kind of nicotine ingestion. Ugh, uh, I don't smoke so, cigarettes. Next up, we have a movie that I actually put on the list uh, for potential episodes a long time ago. It's called Body Parts. Yeah. And um, this is directed by a fellow by the name of Eric Red. And uh, he... I have a theory that like he, he like maybe intentionally went out of his way to like remake um, like the classic Universal horror movies. Mm-hmm. So Near Dark is a vampire movie. Body Parts if you read the plot synopsis is essentially a Frankenstein style story. I can see that. And then he also did a, I think it's called, is it blood moon? I can't remember the exact title, but it's a werewolf movie explicitly a werewolf movie. Um, and I thought it could be fun to like do the whole trilogy of just all three of these like modern reimaginings of, uh, the universal horror movies as directed by this one guy and near dark is one of those movies that a lot of people really 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 love um and i went out of my way to like hunt down like a like a special edition dvd of it on fucking ebay mm. like last year and then i watched it and i was like oh man this is not as good as i want it to be and bill paxton's so good in it mm. and lance henriksen's in it and uh jeanette goldstein's in it it's like oh, that's she- like half the cast of aliens all the, my aliens blu-rays are packed up in durham right now and those movies are all on prime they're all on hbo and i have HBO oh, wow. on my prime so i'm like fuck i've been jonesing to rewatch one of them I'm like which one i don't know i don't <laughs> have my blu-rays here now they're on prime I'm, like, I'm gonna rewatch one of them i just don't know which one yet go with aliens you can't go wrong <laughs> uh, we just went but. so in depth on that one like i just don't know if i'm ready for it yet well 
Well, I mean, you can't... There's not... The fortunate thing about the Aliens movies is there's no real loser. There's just, <laughs> That's true. You know, there, there's just some that are absolutely incredible and then some that are good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Body Parts is a movie I haven't seen. Uh, you and I listened to a podcast that covered it, and I was... I remember this cover art from when I was a little kid walking through the grocery store, and this was in the horror aisle, and it always spooked me. I don't know why. And I have a thing for Jeff Fahey, and... I like him <laughs> and I would very much like to see this. And also I thought it was really funny. I, I have a very limited presence on Twitter, but um, I follow the director of this movie, Eric red. Mm. And uh, he put out a tweet saying, Hey, my movie's coming out on Blu-ray. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I was thinking about reviewing your movie anyway. Um, so I'll end up watching that even if we don't do it for the show. Um, and beside that, we have an arrow release edge of the ax. Holy shit. That cover art is awesome. It looks really? like a, I oh, think it's awesome. Bad. Dude, it looks like uh, uh, Quiet Riot, uh, Bang Your Head. Looks like the album cover art Yeah, for that. maybe that's what I don't like about it. Oh. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and I have different aesthetic tastes then. Don't get me wrong. Um, I like 80s. I like more metal. I like like old Metallica album covers. Those are fucking metal. Well, see, Kyle, you have to say it like Dee Snider. It's not metal. It's Metal. Metal. Uh, I don't know what's going on with this Justine movie, but I think I know where it's going. Uh, yeah. Um, compelling cover art for sure. Uh, if you look at the screenshots for the movie, she's, she's working for me. Uh, Justine, just having graduated from a French finishing school, decides to go live with her rich uncle. She is charming and sweet, but her uncle is scandalous and wanton. Oh, wow. Ooh, ooh, mercy. Um, Motherless Brooklyn. Uh, uh, this is this is the Ed Norton movie, I think. <laughs> I don't like Ed Norton. Um, th- I, there's something about him; he just does nothing for me. Uh, I've never seen a movie with him that I really cared for his performance. I, there's, he just rubs me the wrong way, and uh, he just doesn't do it. Um, I want to add to my list of uh, people. If you see them in a movie, you should probably skip it. Uh, and it's unfortunate because I think he's really talented and he's really funny. Um, Alec Baldwin uh, if you see him in a movie past the, the Departed you can pretty much skip it uh, mm. he doesn't really do good movies and not, well, that, he, not, not that his performances are bad necessarily it's just he doesn't really pick good movies well didn't he get a new lady in his life and like turn a new leaf or something I think he quit drinking I think he had a big drinking problem no I, I think the timing syncs up because he started to do more like family or like like rom-com kind of movies and stuff like just light lighter stuff i guess was he in jersey girl am i misremembering that i think he plays the Uh, dad in jersey girl i wouldn't be surprised but i haven't seen it so i don't know um but yeah motherless brooklyn uh, uh, edward norton apparently trying to make a comeback i i heard he was good in in a birdman but i haven't seen that uh Um, i've seen it it's his performance is fine it's it's fine. <laughs> well, I know he's notorious for being difficult um, on the set. Like, I have a theory that uh, the Incredible Hulk, like, large chunks of that movie were rewritten by him, like, on the set, basically. Because there's too many quirks to his presentation of that character of, of Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, this seems like it came from Ed Norton and not fucking Marvel Studios. <laughs> like, like, just the fact that he, like 
does jujitsu and like yoga breathing exercises and stuff and like little details like him swallowing the thumb drive and it's like I don't know. This, this seems like Ed Nortonisms as opposed to stuff that was in the script. But, he um, he kind of plays a meta version of himself in um, Birdman because he's like a difficult actor to work with, and he ends up doing the play with for Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's like a like a washed up actor who decides to do a play, and he ends up getting Ed Norton to be in the play, and he ends up being very difficult to work with. Um, mm. And in that, in, in that, like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it. I didn't mind him, but just in general, like, he's kind of like a Kevin Costner for me. I'm just like, it. He, if I see his name, I'm like, it does nothing to me. I'd really need a strong recommendation to watch one of his movies. I, I'm inclined to agree. Um, he's just not a selling point for me. Yeah. Um, although, Primal Fear. He was very good in Primal Fear. Yeah, I. I it was a really silly ending i saw the ending to it i'm like really okay the him doing the accent to richard gear and everything i'm like "Eh, okay i just like that movie though i've heard it it, it, i think it's a i think it's a time and place kind of thing where it's like there's certain 90s movies that you come back to as an adult and it's just it's like a warm blanket it's just cozy so uh 2019 uh, we have harriet uh, which is, of course, about Harriet Tubman and, I presume, the Underground Railroad. Um, I don't know how successful this was. I don't think... It, for some reason, like, we, we're, like... Uh, oh, what was the one with Martin Luther King? Uh, Selma? Completely yeah. snubbed. Got nothing. No attention. Nothing. Um, and I'm actually... When I see this, I'm like, I'm surprised I haven't seen a Harriet Tubman movie. Um, I saw um, a middle school... A theater group came to our elementary school and did a Harriet like a guy did um, I I have a dream speech and a girl did uh, Harriet Tubman and it was really good I remember as a kid I'm like wow this is actually like really really good she sat uh, she sat next to me after the performance uh, and she was doing some of the character it was really funny <laughs> she's like I'll shoot you I'll shoot you if you talk <laughs> it was really fun it was funny like it, it was a good time that's but great I was surprised that um, that it's taken this long for there to be a Harriet Tubman movie because it's a compelling it's a compelling story like it'd be very interesting to see I've heard nothing about this yeah same here um, which is kind of curious to me because it seems like it should have been a really really big deal yeah. uh, especially since I, I think universally like I grew up in the Pacific Northwest um, I can't speak to the rest of the country but I feel like um, at my school anyway Harriet Tubman was covered pretty extensively like, very like everybody everybody in my graduating class we were all very much aware of the person and the things that she did um, and if you think of it in that sense it's like huh this is a person that everybody is told about in school but it's like do do we ever dig a little deeper it's like no not really <laughs> so yeah I'm surprised that it took this long too but um, again I don't know if the movie got any real attention or traction though I'm sorry I just remembered I'm watching The Outsider on HBO based off of the mm. Stephen King novel or whatever with Ben Mendelsohn. Another episode comes out today, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, <laughs> it's really good, by the way. Uh, really enjoy that. I don't think I know that one. Um, but I thought that this, um, the the lady here, I thought, like, is that her? Uh, the lady, I think she might be in that show, but I, yep, yeah, that is her. Okay. Oh. Wow. Um, I was like, it is her. Uh, she, the girl playing Harriet Tubman is in um, The Outsider. 
I just don't know about this, you know. Well, I feel like nobody said nobody said it was good, but just the fact that it exists is kind of a well, thing, I guess. Did you? Can you click on it real quick? Do you see the third little thumbnail there? It looks like White Russell for a second. I'm like, oh, oh no, no. It, for a second there, yeah, <laughs> I, it's not him, but but I I I see where you're coming from. <laughs> Warning signs are going off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got Janelle Monae. She's she's been in quite a few movies. She was in Moonlight. Uh, but yeah, that's a good thing to have on your resume. That's a good one to have on your resume. <laughs> Um, I can't believe they La La Land thought they were going to win over fucking Moonlight. <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, Wild America is up next on here. Did you ever watch this? No. I loved, uh, I liked, this was, I'd seen The Edge already. And then uh, this movie, uh, I think it was like the same year even. Um, but wilderness movies always really got me because that's uh, something my dad, like, he was really into like my dad and my grandfather really into hunting and being in the wilderness and watching movies about the wilderness and watching wilderness shows. So going from the edge to this, it's like, dude, that's like switching from liquor to Kool-Aid. Like it's a fucking, I just watched a dude get eaten by a bear and these kids are just fucking just bouncing around a couple heartthrobs bouncing around up there. Yeah. Um, there was a thing with Jonathan Taylor Thomas in the nineties. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure we're all aware of it. Was this the one that was marketed with Born to Be Wild? Born the... to Be Wild. Yeah, because exactly he he had a couple of these kind of movies, like Tom and Huck. I think was one of them. I like that movie. I watched it a lot as a kid. It has Brad. See, I didn't see any of them. Ooh. I was I was just exposed to the marketing of all of them. Uh, I did watch that. I'll be I'll be home for Christmas or something like that he is a christmas movie yeah yeah i know the cover i grew up in the thick of uh home improvement so i was well versed in tim allen and jtt yeah we we weren't a home improvement house no. um i mean i watched reruns when i got a little older but i like in retrospect it's like you know like i understand why we weren't a home improvement house because because this vibe this vibe doesn't work for our our household yeah there's too many morals in this show <laughs> 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 Stop projecting on me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but moving right along here. Uh, oh, we have something that, funny enough, it doesn't have cover art, which is surprising to me. But um, from 1979, Rupon III, the castle of Cagliostro. Um, if I remember right, this is Hayao Miyazaki's first animated feature, um, featuring the titular Rupon III, uh, the master thief. Uh that was my brother's nickname when he lived in Japan because he was skinny and had long sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> um, Castle of Cagliostro is a great-ass movie. It's fun. I might buy that on 4K because I don't know how much it would benefit from 4K because it is an animated film from 1979. Uh, I don't know how much image fidelity there is to pull out of that. Um, but yeah, I I would. I'm due for a rewatch on that one. It's good times. Um, Berserker. Cover art for yeah, the cover art for Berserker from nineteen eighty seven. That stands out to me, but then I pulled up the screenshots and it looks like it looks trash. like trash, but I like the it's a six young adults in the woods run afoul of a berserker, a Viking warrior who dons the fur and snout of a bear and are slain in turn by him. Um that Sounds you, cool. <laughs> you may have been curious about a film while you had your shutter uh your shutter subscription. Um the uh oh the 
Headhunter? The Headhunter. You told me it wasn't very good. It's not very good, and I was very disappointed in it. Uh, it definitely had potential, but it's too much of like a slow burn with no payoff. Uh, it It's not horrible. It's just not really worth your time. Um, but that kind of reminded me. I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds like The Headhunter a little bit. Um, that's a movie with, with missed potential. Like, it, it had potential, but it really just missed it. Gotcha. Um, beside that, we have another cool cover art, probably from the same DVD publisher. Oh yeah, Vinegar Syndrome. They're a, they're kind of a boutique publisher. Um, oh. They pick up they pick up weird little gems here and there. Uh, Beyond the Door Three from 1989. Can't say if it's good or not, but that is pretty good cover art. Very compelling. Um, beside that, we have The Battle of Jung Sari uh, from 2019. This is a Korean War movie starring Megan Fox in probably two minutes of it because that's how these movies are marketed is it's actually a korean movie but we need to get international appeal somehow so let's put a somewhat famous american actor in it (laughs) so we can put him on the cover because um i don't know if this is the same director or same crew or same producers but uh there's a movie called operation chromite um that they pulled the same trick with liam neeson as General Douglas MacArthur, whom he bears zero resemblance to. <laughs> I think we're probably it's a Transformers callback. Like, remember that 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 chick from the Transformers movies? Well, she's in this one. Yeah, I mean Transformers cleans up internationally, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that connection was there. But yeah, this is I I blind watched Operation Chromite. This one I have heard even less about. So I'm like, even though I I do loves me some. Uh, korean war movies this is one that's very low on my list of priorities uh we have some classic anime galaxy express 999 from 1998 um ssss.gridman um so this is a a uh, a reboot of a old tokusatsu show so this was like ultraman style with live action actors uh this is from 2018 and what's really funny about it is um the original Gridman was called Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, and it was released in the States around the time Power Rangers was starting to take off. Mm. Um, and it had really cool monster designs and like concepts and stuff because it was like early days of the internet kind of stuff. And just like based on the art on that cover there, you can tell like aesthetically they had some cool stuff. Yeah. And this was all done live action with like guys in rubber suits and stuff. It was like watching a weekly Godzilla movie. Um, but yeah, they repackaged it as Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, and it had one of the kids from like Boy Meets World. It's in the lead, and <laughs> it was goofy horseshit. But I I watched it. Um, I don't think I've watched the anime, but fun. It it just goes to show you that nostalgia is at work globally, not just in the states. <laughs> um, uh, more anime, uh, Varsity Blues re-release. Never seen it. Yeah, neither have I, but Couldn't apparently it's less, a, yeah. apparently it has a decent reputation. Some people like it. Shit ton of other re-releases of older movies, including Footloose, um, Clueless. Uh, so we're on that curve of the nostalgia wave. And then a movie that's come up on the show more than once, uh, Four Brothers. Oh. <laughs> Kyle, are you going to make me watch Four Brothers oh, at some yes, point? Oh, yes, I am going to make you watch Four Brothers. Okay. Weird as <laughs> That I think I want to do that and maybe Alpha Dog together. I think that would be really good. Is uh, I, they're they're movies that they're like they're so bad but watchable for me. I'm like, this isn't like, 
it's it's a different kind of bad. There's like bad bad like uh what like maniac cop would be like oh that's just bad bad like it's just just bad just bad this is like 2000s bad like we just the movies that we were doing in the 2000s there's like there's no there's really good ones that stand out and there's ones that are then everything else is just like nothing yeah this is one of those it it, there's a certain it's of a certain decade and this is they they both fall in like the same uh era too it's like this is 2005. I think Alpha Dog's like 2006. Maybe maybe 2007. It's like right there. And it's just garbage. It's so no, dumb. I, I hate... I, I know the flavor. I know the flavor you're talking about. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm curious to see Four Brothers because you've brought it up several times. Always like... You have like a grin on your face when you're talking about the bad parts of it. And I'm like, I don't know. This sounds like something I might want to see. <laughs> I've never wanted to like punch Mark Wahlberg more then I've wanted to punch him in that in that movie. However, it is a good uh, performance from Chiquito Ejiofor. Yeah, Chiquito Ejiofor. He plays the bad guy in there, and he's good. Like he's barely in the movie, but when he's there, it's like it, it's pretty solid. Um, well, he he moved on to bigger and better things. Yes, so. he did. He did. Um, um, also, I what's really seen funny? Bigger and better things, but uh, I haven't. I mean, seen yeah, I haven't seen Twelve Years a Slave. I haven't I, seen it. Yep, I, I did see Doctor Strange. That's that's bigger, not necessarily better, but <laughs> so. no, no, it's it's the kind of performance where you're like, oh, he should be doing better movies. He absolutely should be. Um, yeah, um, it's funny because it's directed by John Singleton, who Boys in the Hood. Um, he uh, is recently deceased, but. It's one of those situations where it's like, huh, John Singleton's like a, a good director. Like, this seems like a, a weird element in his filmography. Also, like, there's something, like, I think 2004 and 2005 were, like, two of the worst years of my life growing up, just as far as, like, coming of age. And anything happening around that, anything I consumed, it just was all bad. And this was definitely <laughs> in that time period. Uh, well, we'll have to get to it at some point because it's... I don't know. For some reason, you light up just a little bit. Like there's a little twinkle in your eye when you bring it up. <laughs> there's just something about. There's it. a sinister twinkle. <laughs> um, but that's about it for the month of January. There's one here that I know nothing about, but the title and the cover uh, jump out at me just because of who I am. Uh, Making Apes: The Artist Who Changed Film. Uh, it's probably a documentary, uh, the story of makeup artists behind one of the most groundbreaking and beloved science fiction franchises of all time, The Planet of the Apes. I would watch that. <laughs> I have no idea if it's any good, but I like documentaries about uh, movies about making movies, basically. That would Especially be makeup artists. Is this, if you go down just uh, to, your seven, uh, to your seven o'clock from Making Apes, uh, the Field Afar? Is that the most award you've ever seen on the cover of a film you've never heard of? Uh, without even thinking of it, yes. <laughs> the most I've ever seen. Uh, I need to know. Uh, the Field Afar 2019, there are about, wow, that's that's like 10 production logos. No, 10 uh, festival circuit uh, emblems with like oak leaf clusters wow. and whatnot. Um, the Field of Far, the life story of Vincent Capodano, a Catholic priest who received the Medal of Honor for his valor as a chaplain to the Marine Corps during some of the most harrowing battles of the Vietnam War. Okay. Okay. Uh, apparently, indie festivals love it. Yeah. And never heard of it until just now. But, and then we have something that is really 
trying to cash in on the 80s nostalgia scion 20 comes out yeah it, from 2018 only just now coming out weird a uh, teenage girl takes a deal from a mysterious stranger to be able to live her dream life but wakes up in a world where no one recognizes her and she is wanted by the police what was that uh dave franco movie that came out like two it was emma roberts and dave franco came out like two years ago maybe i don't Fuck. know uh the franco brothers pretty much i don't go for their movies at oh all. it's called it's called nerve um the the font and the color palette is almost identical to the cover of nerve and you, that that movie actually did look kind of compelling if you, you only you're only gonna get me with the francos is if it's a comedy like i'll give it a chance if it's a comedy if it's trying to be serious you do not have my money yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Neither of them is a selling point for me, although I really I really did like The Disaster Artist quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I find that movie very, very watchable. Um, I still haven't gotten around to it. Just nothing about it seems interesting to me, at, the, at least at this point in my life. I'll, it's just one of those, I'll get to a point where I'll watch it. It's just I still don't really like James Franco, so I just don't want to, I don't want to watch him do anything. Well, it you know, in between watching all your high art and stuff, if you want some like <laughs> if you want some like really basic like not necessarily funny, not necessarily dramatic, but just a movie about making a, a shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's also kind your of, wheelhouse. That's kind of the though. right movie. You you also like documentaries about movies and movies well, about movies. I, I watch crap willingly, Kyle. <laughs> I watch a lot of crap. <laughs> my like my my interest in filmmaking is Maybe a little different. For your, like, I've forgotten like just, more about French cinema than you'll ever know, Trevor. Yeah, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle is more the highbrow between us. Um, I I watch, I watch bad movies, but for me, it's all about like breaking down what went into making that bad movie. Mm. Like the, for me, that's that's like a fun exercise. I like watching crap because in watching something bad, it allows you to ponder on how you could make it not bad. And then when you're when you're watching something cheap, especially like especially something that's reaching beyond its means, it's really fascinating to me to like just appreciate what they're able to accomplish with too little resources. Like watching an action movie that's trying trying to stage action sequences that they have no money to do. It's like, mm -hmm. you know what? That wasn't good, but I can I can see I can see what you saw when you were trying to put that together. Did, Did you watch The Irishman yet? I don't have Netflix, man. Figured you would have just borrowed like somebody's password to watch it. I don't do that, Kyle. Mm. <laughs> Not anymore, anyway. The I've moved pra- past that. Like the high praise it's getting, I'm like, did they? Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me that I can't get past the the de aging. So. I think you're a. I think you're a special effects snob. Like if it's not a puppet, you hate it. Well, it's <laughs> not it's, I, I I do I don't particularly care for CGI, but no, it's. It's the style of movie. Like it doesn't uh-huh. need it. Like I, the Casino, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street. Like we're not de-aging anybody in that. It's all performances. It's all actors. There's CGI, but like it's for like them being on the yacht or something. It's necessary. I'm like we, I don't need you to de-age people. I, I, well, I'm getting well, mad Ky- thinking about Kyle. It. Kyle, let me let me float this across across your bow. <laughs> um. um these guys are all very, very old, director included. So Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Martin Scorsese. They're all very old, probably at the end of a very long road in the film industry. 
Um, what if, like, try to put your brain in, in this context where it's like, what if this is a victory lap where this is, this is like the last hurrah for all of them? Because it's doubtful that many of these guys are going to be doing major productions, at least many more of them. So I think of it like without having seen the movie, I can't help but think that part of it is like, yes, we could probably hire younger actors who look kind of like these guys to do the younger people scenes. But in using this technology, which is kind of gimmicky, but it's a way to give them their performance. It's a way to give them the floor and say, this is my gift to you, Bobby, be Bobby for three hours. Joe, this is the last time you you came out of retirement. You're never going to do this again. Here's your three hours. Do with it what you will. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give it 15 more minutes from where I stop. <laughs> 15 more minutes. And if I can't get past, if I can't get past, I'm like I'm not going to be in the movie. Like I can't. Well, I can't focus. To the movie's defense, again, without having seen it. Um, the Cinema Speak podcast that I did a guest appearance on recently, they had their end of the year like awards ceremony, and I think, I think like one of the the worst, I think it was like worst effects or worst scenes in in of the year was the exactly the scene that you sent me on your phone. Oh, really? Was okay. was the car repair scene? But everyone in that conversation very much appreciated that movie. They just pointed to that scene as intensely problematic. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll keep going. <laughs> but I, no, I, I don't, not Kyle, I'm not going to lie. I don't see this. I don't see you finishing that movie. I don't think I'm going to finish that I movie. Don't, I don't think you, I, I know you just well enough to know that, like, when you put your foot down, it's like, this this smells like dog shit, and then it's like 15 more minutes of smelling dog shit. It's like, nope, still stinks. It stinks, and I don't like it. <laughs> I know like, how wrong, the problem is, is I know how wrong I am and how good of a movie it apparently is. You you might not be wrong. My what, parents thought it was slow. My like, my parents thought it was very slow and a little boring. <laughs> uh, a certain podcaster who's a film critic, uh, who I often share, uh, like we affinity for the same films. He like he was the, the I've I've never heard such praise. Never heard such praise. It was the wow. highest praise I've ever heard. This particular contrarian film critic. <laughs> hey, uh, you know who you are. Towards the film, I'm like <laughs> really. I I want to. I'm like I want to. I wish I had like. Did, th- so nothing about that. Bo- nothing about the execution bothered you. And it was like nope, nothing, not at all, nothing. Everything was perfect. Like literally, he had nothing negative to say about it. Like you have got wow. to be fucking kidding me. That's shocking, right? And you know, especially since I I do know who you're you talking. You know exactly about. who I'm talking about. The, the and guys yes, from New York. You, you normally <laughs> normally you guys do see eye to eye. Yeah, so and that's usually justifiably so. And what's fascinating about this is, I haven't seen anything of this movie. I have no skin in the game. I'm just trying to like like kind of like massage you along to be like you know what i hear okay. good things <laughs> yeah it's like it's okay kyle you, you, it's, it's okay like, well, you know it's not gonna hurt you was, it's not it. gonna hurt you the irishman's not out to get you <laughs> oh. but yeah um but yeah uh as far as I, like i do not i do not see you finishing it i don't <sighs> think you can do it kyle <laughs> i don't think you can especially because of the runtime oh i can i can i've I've watched Doss Boot twice. Like, I can get through a long fucking movie. Again, dog shit. If you smell dog shit for three hours, I don't think you're going to sit in that room the whole time. You're going to have to get up and take a walk or something. (laughs) It's one of my favorite movies 
now. Like I, I start thinking about like, man, I would put it in my top ten probably. Um, but yeah, uh, so purchases. I I only had one, and I've already I already own it. So that okay. that, that should kind of tell you like what my purchases will be. Is like, did I already buy it? <laughs> then I'm probably not going to purchase it. Yeah. So Kyle purchased uh, the lighthouse. That was a day one purchase. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to look. I think this entire month might be rentals for me. Yeah, it's it's um, not a great one. I went over to a friend's house to watch the Joker. Uh, I will probably rent the lighthouse, not buy. Um, yeah, that's more of a rental for you. Uh, uh wow, this is kind of sad. This might be the saddest month in a while now. Um. <laughs> Uh, Jay and Silent Bob, I might rent. Um, anything else? Jeez. Uh, I've got the Paras- Parasite, I, I, uh, I rented. Uh, Terminator, I will rent. Um, body parts, I might buy that, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm. this may be the first month in the entire history of our show that I might not buy anything. Well, I am going to be watching one of my Christmas gifts this year. I finally have an opportunity. Uh, uh, Andre Tarkovsky's Stalker from nineteen seventy two, but uh, 1979 is when it was actually filmed. Uh, it's a close to a three-hour film, uh, like fantasy, post-apocalypse. Um, really excited to watch that. I'll finally have a house with no d- distractions that I can actually get through it. So I'm super excited. I think I'm going to do that tomorrow. Wow, I didn't know you got that. Oh, Good yeah. for you, man. I've got that. That's huge. Yeah, I'm excited. No, you've been talking about that for a long time. Yeah, I'm going to finally pull the trigger on it. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us as we uh, caught up on the Blu-rays for January 2020. Yeah. Um, hopefully next month is, <laughs> uh, is a little bit more eventful in terms of the big releases. But, uh, yeah, again, thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.